Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions as we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God. May our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Grab your favorite cup of tea or coffee or on a beautiful sunny day like this, maybe an iced tea. Cool. Yeah. And enjoy the Deep Waters podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Hi, Benjamin. Hi, Benji. Jace, two of my favorite people. I, I, if you are, if you know who is talking right now, you definitely know. I don't you're know. already yeah, excited. You're already excited. <laughs> I'm not sure how I was going to say it. it's like, it's well, I'm excited. You just have such a recognizable demeanor, even over <laughs> audio. So it's so I'm good. so happy here. We have the incredible matriarch of this church, Robin Verner. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very excited to have her on the Deep Waters podcast today. And I'm so blessed to be here. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. We're um, we're jumping into the middle of a conversation about the fivefold, Robin, and we've talked with um, Megan Bailey, and we're going to continue to talk to others. We talked to Kenny Ortega. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Justin next, and um, I'm curious to just hear your your position on this podcast because when I or on this conversation when it comes to the fivefold. Cause when I consider you, Robin, I see someone who hears the voice of the Lord super clearly, who is incredibly comforting, compassionate and present for the church, like a shepherd who is extremely present for those that the church needs to be reaching out to in kind of an evangelistic way. I just, I see you as operating in so many of the giftings that Christ has given to the church. So I'm curious, right off the bat, will you tell us if you identify with one of the fivefold? And if not, why? Well, I do. I identify with two of them. Mm-hmm. And the first one is as a shepherd. And it's so interesting because I can look back at my life and realize that I have been a shepherd all of my life. Mm. Even as a little girl, I was always trying to take care of the people around me. And so definitely a shepherd and an evangelist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can see yeah, that unpack that one. How do you see evangelist in your life? Well, for me, honestly, it's always having an awareness that, that the world deserves an encounter with love. <laughs> and I carry that love. So I think (laughs) I'm just always trying in the midst of my busy life, which it is very busy. I try to always keep myself aware of my surroundings and, and just aware of, of who needs the love that I carry. Yeah. Wow. I feel like maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but, um, as a Christian, in our world, I went to public schools. I'm like very wary of the way that the secular world views Christianity. And I think as a result of that, sometimes I've found myself um, being timid about the gospel um, to people that I know don't identify with Jesus. Um, How do you see someone that doesn't identify with Jesus and 
show love to that person in this evangelistic way? Like, I don't know. Do you feel that road bump in you? Like, is there any timidity? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That's a great question. That's such a good question. I have to rely on the Holy Spirit because in my own strength, I don't want to do it. I remember I was just share the Lord the night before Easter with two boys that were walking next to me. And I wasn't in the greatest mood and I really didn't want to even have conversation, but the Holy spirit begins speaking to me about them. And so, so then I ended up going on a walking next to him and chatting. And, and at the end, they both gave their life to Christ. Wow. And, but that was, (laughs) that was completely the Holy spirit. So really I think with evangelism, it has to be the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Wow, that's so beautiful. I, I think, yeah, I always view evangelism as, we're kind of sitting on evangelism right now for a second, but always view evangelism as like this kind of a risky thing. You have to step out and could fail, but I also, it's almost like I see so much a, a maturity in Christ in you to just be like this empty vessel, you know? And so like sometimes it like feel there's a reluctancy, but... I just feel like you're such a pure conduit of the Holy spirit. Mm. It's so beautiful to hear your different testimonies. And I think even more than some of the other gifts, it takes a lot of that, like flushing out with God to like, just become a pure voice for him. And yes, has that been a part of your story? And like, what's what's that look like recently? Yeah. And it is a part of my story. Does that question make sense? I think so. Maybe would you rephrase it? Um, like I, for me, I don't always trust that I'm hearing from the Lord mm-hmm. and yeah, I guess I may, maybe how do you build trust in you knowing that you hear God's voice? Because oh, gotcha. I, you just risk yeah. the bottom line. This is how I feel. Honestly, mm-hmm. if I discovered the cure for cancer, hmm. I know me, I would have to tell the whole world yeah. everywhere I went, I would have to offer them this gift yeah. because mm-hmm. I have a gift they need, yeah. right? And so I think I got so radically transformed by the love of God. Even as I speak that, I feel emotion coming up, that he so changed my life that I just feel like I, I have to share this <laughs> yeah. because I know the answer to what your soul is longing for and wow. crying out for. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my motivation, Jace, is is you deserve to know what I know. And so, yes, it's, it's risky. And listen, there are so many times that it goes nowhere, but my motivation is really not to lead them to Christ. My motivation is to plant a seed of love, Hmm. right? And then I leave the results to the Holy spirit. If he opens a door and I'm always very aware of, and I throw out, I even throw out, I'll go from normal conversation and then I'll, I'll just throw in a little, some kind of a gospel question or, or yeah. statement just to see if they're going to grab hold of it. Yeah. And most of the time they don't. Mm. But when I leave them, I know that I left them with a seed of love, yeah. right? Because I try to be encouraging. I ask them questions. I make it all about them. And so, and then if they bite, then I go, open door, (laughs) let's go Lord, Um, you know, and then you, it is risky and mm -hmm. then you go in, but really if you're just doing it as a heart of love and whatever the results are, that's up to God. 
there really is a freedom in, in doing it. That's I'm, so good. I, I'm hearing so much in what you just said. I think one of the things earlier on was like what Paul says in Romans one, that he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. Amen. And like the power for salvation, you, you said the cure for cancer, like we're going to save you from cancer with this cure. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops, but what a greater thing than even the cure for cancer to say, I've got the cure to sin and death. Yes. The one who holds the keys to like hell and Hades is Victor overall. And I know his name and he wants to meet you. Yes. And like, if you have that conviction in your heart, wow. I just, I see yeah. in your energy and in the way that Paul wrote that verse that you couldn't be held back just from a little fear of, well, maybe this person's going to think I'm a weird Christian. I, I, I don't know, but I, maybe in order to get there, do you think that, um, you have to have a really personal, um, even testimony of the power of Jesus's saving love in your life. Yeah. But we all have a story of what, I mean, if we're Christians, yeah. we all have a story to tell. Yeah. <laughs> and I think one of the greatest things that keeps people from sharing Christ and risking is because they feel like they're not smart enough. They're, they're afraid that they're going to be asked a question that they won't have the answer to. Yeah. That was me forever. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, if I, if I go there, what if I can't? Yeah. What if I, I don't have it in me? But what I realize is people don't care hmm. what you know or what you don't know. People come alive when they see that somebody actually sees them and yeah. actually takes the time to invest. I have, I have shared the Lord with so many people that it was just like, oh yeah, I even give, I've given prophetic words that were completely off mm -hmm. and I go, okay, well, no, that didn't go the way I planned. Totally. And I still took the time to stop and, mm -hmm. to, and to connect with this person. And maybe it didn't go anywhere like I hoped it would, mm -hmm. but I still gave them a, a seed of love. Yeah. And I walk away and I don't beat myself up. I'm like, you tried, way to go. <laughs> I encourage myself because, you know, it's not easy to do that, but it is easy because there are no expectations on us, yeah. right? Except to make them feel loved. And then the Holy Spirit steps in and, and does crazy things sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it, it doesn't happen that way. Wow, that's so good. I think even just already talking, I just see so much of your pastoral heart in your evangelistic heart mm -hmm. too. Like, I think that's sometimes lost with evangelists too. They're more just like, I got to just get, say the right words out there and just make sure that like, you know, the world is going to hell in a handbasket and you need Jesus. Yeah. And that's not really loving. That's not like a moment of love. And even just to like stop and say mm -hmm. someone to a stranger, say something to a stranger, like just doesn't happen anymore. And like how that just makes people feel so seen. Mm -hmm. But Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really powerful mix. I've never thought about that power, like you being this like really beautiful image of an evangelistic pastor or a pastor that's just super bold, you know, or yeah, just a really caring evangelist. It's like it just that's a really complete picture. Mm -hmm. And of you. I go back to what you said earlier. You, the only way that we can evangelize is if we are spending time in the presence of God. Hmm. We, you know, it's an overflow of of the love in us, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. that's what they're going to experience. I remember I was on a team that we went to San Francisco every month and I'll never forget. We held up a sign in downtown San Francisco and it said free hugs. Mm -hmm. And 
I was amazed at how many people, men in suits, like women dressed up, yeah. homeless, like a little bit of everybody were waiting in line wow. for us to hug them. Whoa. And, and I knew in that moment that evangelism is just love. It's just loving the people in front of you. Right. And so, but in order to give that love, Benji, yes, mm -hmm. if I'm not, I can be honest, if yeah. I am not spending quality time in the presence, mm -hmm. I'm not evangelizing. In fact, that is, I pay attention to that. If I haven't led anybody to Christ or at least planted seeds of love, I have to ask myself, am I overflowing? Wow. Because the only way I'm going to, I mean, think about, listen, th it's all about the Holy Spirit. Think about the disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the disciples lived a certain way. Then start reading about the disciples in Acts and what happens to them. They're like completely different people, yeah. right? They could never do the work, the great commission. They could never do the work of God unless the helper came. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we will never be able to do the work of God unless the helper comes. Wow. Yeah. That's brilliant. I'm wondering as you see it, how much of that spending time in the word of God and then evangelizing applies to all people, all Christians and how much of it applies to people who particularly feel this evangelistic grace on their life? Does that question make sense? Like, I'm wondering if someone's listening, could they say, oh, well, I don't know if I'm necessarily an evangelist. I'm maybe aligned more with the teacher or the prophetic grace. Um, so I don't really have to take what Robin says okay. and apply it to me. Um, what would you as an evangelist say to that person? I would say we have all been called the great commission is yeah. for every single one of us. It is not a personality. It's a mm -hmm. discipline, wow. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think sharing Christ is just as important as spending time in the Bible or spending time in prayer. You know, it is part of the call of God mm. on our life. And listen, we're all going to get to heaven one day and there's going to be no need for evangelism. Mm -hmm. And it, and then we're going to have to look back and say, we, did we miss it? Huh. Like that was our opportunity. I can yeah. tell you what, I'm not going to miss it. I already know that <laughs> I've got a whole group of people yeah. up there that, that I know are going to be there because I took time to pay attention, to listen to the Lord and to take a risk. Yeah. Right. And wow. so don't we all want to get there and be like, no way. No, you're here <laughs> because it'll that. be over. Mm -hmm. yeah. We'll never have an, there'll be no need mm. anymore. And so we want to be a part of building the mm -hmm. kingdom of God, not just here, yeah. but there. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I love your confidence in the Holy Spirit doing the work that you're, um, you're like a tool that is picked up by the Holy Spirit to be used in a particular moment and maybe all you're doing is planting a seed of love and you don't even say anything about the gospel or maybe you bring up Jesus, but really briefly, you're not trying to lead anyone in the sinner's prayer unless the no. Holy Spirit opens that door for you. I love that submission because then it's Jesus who's winning souls. It's not like you're feeling this pressure to meet some kind of salvation quota, right. you know, because then it gets pushy and, um, and not personal and you lack that pastoral love that 
Yes. You are clearly so graced with. Well, not always though, Benji, because huh. when I was younger, I've always been this little evangelist. I mm-hmm. went to public school for the first time when I was in the 10th grade. I'd come out of Christian school and I was leading the whole school to, to Christ. I was doing Bible studies at lunchtime, but I almost had this, oh no, I have to do this and I'm gonna save as many as I possibly mm-hmm. can. And, and it, was, it just wasn't with right motive, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and so it has taken years of the Lord purifying me and me submitting and learning and growing and spending time in the presence to actually come to this place where it's it, yes it the beautiful thing about sharing our faith is that it brings life to our inner man mm. it is the river of life that flows it mm. flow we come to church and we worship and we we get filled up but then we have to go and release it you know and so it really is yeah. so important in our lives and yet it has to come from a pure heart and it just starts with love yeah. we don't have to try to convince people about jesus we don't have to debate we don't in fact i would never debate if it goes there i back out yeah. i'm not here to try mm-hmm. to tell you who's right and who's wrong or what mm. scripture says or doesn't say yeah. i'm here to tell you my story can i tell you what the lord has done for me mm-hmm. and we going back to we That's all good. have a story and so i just like to take personal personal breakthrough and personal things i've overcome through the power of the lord and yeah. through love and then share it as the lord brings it to mind when i'm chatting with somebody mm-hmm. say hey let me can i tell you something that god did for me and and most people love to hear the stories yeah. That's what usually opens people up. Not when I quote scripture and tell them what you know the Bible yeah. says. That's not when they open up. They open up when I get vulnerable hmm. and begin to share something real from my own life. Yeah. And every single one of us have a story. We have areas that God has mm-hmm. oh, helped us overcome. Yeah. And so we just have to, to rely on those <laughs> things, not, not the knowledge that we have or don't have. That's really good. I teach a Bible class at a public high school here. And um, let's see, there are seven students in there right now. And we were talking about how, how at least all of the students, I think every single one of us, including myself, was raised in the church, raised in a Christian household. And there sometimes is this frustration of, man, I don't have any like cool come to Jesus story. I just have kind of always been following Jesus. I've always believed in God. And some of these students now they're 17, 18 years old. And they're thinking like, how do I really know that Jesus is the one I want to follow when I've sort of been following him all along? And I asked one girl her perspective and she said, oh yeah, I don't have a testimony. And hearing those words, um, well, one, I just thought the lie that exists there. Exactly what I was thinking. Um, and how devastating. My, my heart got really heavy. And so I think if, if there's a listener to the podcast who relates at all to that story of, oh, I've just always been following Jesus, I want them to hear what you're saying right now, Robin, that we all have a testimony. We all have a story. We don't have to have been like saved by Jesus from the crazy gutter or whatever scenario, like the prodigal son, we can also be the older brother who's always lived in the house of the father um, and felt the love of the father 
every day of our lives. And that's a story worth telling. And God, when we speak out and share our stories, maybe they're not big, bold, miraculous testimonies, but God speaks with us. When yeah. we speak, then he, he joins our words and he puts anointing yeah. on our simple, basic words. So it could be a simple story yeah. of, of something sweet that, that God has done. He's put peace in your heart, mm. you know, and he's given you hope and a reason to get up, a reason to live. But as you share and you share from your heart, people know it's real. Hmm. that it's genuine and then you've got the anointing of God with it because there is nothing that he wants more than for the person in front of you who who's never known him to to open their heart and receive him so he helps us out mm -hmm. we have a helper that's, that's a good way to look at it and I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way um I mean you talked this week with the staff about kind of how we have relegated some things is not spiritual, you know? And mm -hmm. so my story isn't like this big spiritual thing where all the supernatural stuff is happening. But like you said, the Lord's going to partner with us yes. and it is spiritual. Like, even if it's just like, yeah, I grew up in the church and my family really got along and I just got to be a part of a really great community that loved one another. Like even that story is like, can be so powerful because it's not us that does any of the work. It's Christ. All we have to be is the willing vessels. That's, that's it. That's it's that really well said. Simple, but I think mm. like that girl, Benji, I think mm. people partner with fear and lies. Mm -hmm. Fear that they don't wow. have what it takes, fear that their story's not big enough, fear that they're gonna be asked a question that they can't answer, that they're not smart enough. Wow. And I think once we acknowledge what is stopping us from doing what Jesus called every one of us to do, I think we can stop and see that, oh, I have been believing this or that. Mm you know, and, mm -hmm. and go opposite and say, no, I'm called to do this. And if I'm called to do it, then he's going to equip me mm -hmm. and he's going to help me. And so I'm going to just do it in faith. Mm -hmm. I do it every time in faith. Yeah. Every time <laughs> I'm like, okay, here we go. So, and it doesn't work every single time. And like it you've doesn't, said. I've had times where people got mad at me and, <laughs> and weren't very nice to me. I have a story that, uh, there was a, a gentleman homeless um, in front of the Albertsons and I was walking out and as I passed him he had his shoes off and his feet were completely just torn up and my oh, my gosh. mercy heart yeah. just stopped me and I I was like oh my goodness are you okay can I buy you any lotion or ointment or something for that and he didn't appear as a regular homeless man. Mm -hmm. And his eyes were so bright, white and blue. And, and so it was, I was kind of baffled by why he was yeah. homeless. And, and so he said, no, I have some stuff in my backpack. I just walk too much. And, and so I started asking questions mm -hmm. because that's how I always start yeah. out. You know, and he answered a couple. And then I, the next question I asked him, he said, no, thank you. And it, was, it wasn't the right response, so yeah. I thought maybe I heard wrong. And I said, excuse me? And he looked at me, and I saw demons. It, it, they were so th wow. powerful that I physically felt pushed back. And the Lord said, walk away. Whoa. And I immediately turned. I blessed him as yeah. I'm walking away. And so... So did the Lord ask me to do that? No. 
And, and it didn't go the way that, that I hoped it would, mm-hmm. you know? And so there are many times that yeah. it doesn't go well, mm-hmm. but I just walk away and pr- I prayed for him. Right. Right. And I still left knowing that I planted a seed of love in that man's heart. Amen. Well, I mean, I can't help but feel a little convicted in this conversation because I hope that I'm planting seeds of love everywhere I go. Um, You're just a really great testimony, walking testimony. Um, One thing I'd like to hear you talk on, you shared just now that disappointing things happen occasionally. What about this verse that the fields are white for the harvest, but the workers are few? Um, have you seen that they really are white for the harvest? Like, oh. are people really hungering for the gospel? Benji, since COVID, hmm. it is like, honestly, it is a completely different atmosphere with people. Whoa. People wow. are so hungry to know that there's something more. People are desperate. They, they no longer have the comfort that they used to live in. Mm-hmm. And so they're very aware that life is scary and life is fragile. And so I feel like today it is easy. It is just easy to get people's attention and to share the gospel with them. That's so good. (laughs) I love that because I don't think of sharing the gospel as something that's ever easy. Can you think of, I'm putting you on the spot, but can you think of any examples of a person that you've talked to or felt like low hanging fruit? Like you start to talk about the love of Jesus and they just light up? Well, I'll go back to these two teenage boys. It was the first nice day in a long time. Mm-hmm. So everybody's out walking. Mm-hmm. And it was at the end of the day. And I, I, like I said, I was tired and I was just on a walk and they came up right next to me. And so we ended up walking very close to one another. And, and the Lord gave me words for both of them. And so, so I, I went there and didn't give the words right away, just started asking questions and then started talking to them about Easter, like tomorrow's Easter. What are you guys going to do? Do you go to church? You know? And they're like, no, we're going to have dinner. And, and so I just kept asking questions. And then I said, you know, it's really weird. I, I was walking and I felt like God spoke to me about you guys. Do you want to hear? And they're like, yeah. (laughs) And so as soon as I gave them the word, the one boy is like, okay. Yeah, but the other boy, he, he had been adopted from Vietnam, and he had a deformity on his face, pretty severe. And as soon as I spoke the words into him, he just, he just melted in front of me. Whoa. And it was just, I didn't even go any further. I just said, let me tell you who Jesus is and what he can do. And I said, and all we have to do is, is invite him in ask him to cleanse us, to join our lives. And he's like, yes. I said, do you want to do that? He's like, yes. And he just accepted Christ right there. (laughs) And then I looked at his buddy and I said, I said, do you you don't want to miss out, do you? (laughs) And he's like, he looked at his friend. He goes, no. (laughs) And so he then just gave his life to Christ. Wow. It was just so, it probably took me five minutes, the whole entire conversation. I mean, low hanging fruit. Mm. Yeah. Right. That is powerful. (laughs) 
I thought of this thing I read today mm-hmm. or this week um, that is really interesting. It has to do with like the fields being white with harvests. Yeah. Um, we look at America. I think a lot of people look back at America and think it was so Christian way back when, you know, we're now in this like terrible pagan era. Um, but there's a study done that showed the beginning of America back in the 1700s was probably the, the most post-Christian the United States has ever been. And at church attendance was highest, like through the um, Great Awakening. Is that uh-huh. a Great Awakening? And then in like the 1960s and 70s, that's when like modern day church attendance was at its highest. And so it's not like we've gone from just like this super Christian place to this very anti-Christian, post-Christian society. And it comes in waves. And I feel like we are right for another wave to come just through all that has happened in life. And it gave me a lot of hope that like, oh, I think people could really, people can come back to Jesus. You know, like like the world tells us that it's not going to happen and it's not now. But I mean, if we actually look at what history has shown and even just this cultural moment, I think, yeah, the fields are white. And oh, it's like we're going to see a so move of powerful. God and we are all <laughs> needing to get ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's going to happen is going to be beautiful. I mean, God's been talking about it. He I mean, prophets have been prophesying about it. The fields really are ready for harvest. Wow. Are we going to rise up mm-hmm. and do what we're called wow. to do? That's so good. That's so good. Um, Throughout my time at River House, and I think even leading up to COVID and through COVID, there's been a lot of emphasis on prayer and worship and pressing into those things. And I think especially through COVID, we've started to really look internally and either help help the church or just like kind of seek the Lord in this more um, him and I place and haven't been as focused on evangelism as a church. Mm-hmm. Um we, do you feel like we're moving into a season where that might be different? Yes, we are. And I was like, I, I, I mean, I love that, but I'm like, what, can, how can we like activate our church? Thank you for asking. To be more evangelistic. I have the answer. Okay, great. Give it. So I am preaching on this topic on Mother's Day. Oh, praise oh, God. Wow, that's awesome. And I'm starting, we're going to do a big prayer meeting of everybody who wants to come and get ignited in evangelism. And so we're starting the process. I have to wonder, you know, if I've been doing my part, I think I've been too busy shepherding. Mm -hmm. And so, but the Lord has really been putting it on my heart that, that we as a church, we need to get our people living in awareness of who is in Mm. front of them because God is always planting people right in our path. But do we see them? Yeah. Or do we stop mm-hmm. to plant a seed of love? There are some people who are gardeners. They're just planters. And then mm-hmm. there are some people who are the actual harvesters. Yeah. You know, not everybody's called to do it all. Mm-hmm. All God wants is us each to do our part, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And it's not weighty, mm-hmm. right? Our part is not hard if we're doing it in an overflow that's so key. You know, I think a lot of people are sometimes just going through the motions or counting Sunday as the one pour in of the week. And you're not going to have a lot of overflow with that, especially in this day and age when it's just like life is hard. Work is hard. Yes. Family is busy. Marriage is hard. It's like all these things that can just like just drain you and drain you and drain you. And like, of course, you're not going to 
I mean, maybe you won't even, you're like, I don't feel like going out and evangelizing. Well, it's probably because you're not filled up. Exactly. And you don't have to go out and evangelize. Oh, yes. It just yeah, becomes yeah. a part in your of daily your life, life, right? Huh. Wherever you go, whatever mm-hmm. you do. But I will tell you that when we do evangelize, when we do our part, yeah. we are energized. Yeah. It brings life into us. And, and it keeps us fresh, yeah. right? And so it's vital to our spiritual well-being mm-hmm. to be sharing the um, love of God. I think, oh, I was going to say just real fast, like in my daily life, I feel like this has shown up in just a really simple, like right before I'm about to talk to someone, even at like the cash register or whatever, I just get this sense of like peace and like in the moment. And it's like just to like be completely there for that person. Just smiling. Hello. Like just kind. How's your day going? I'm sorry. That's been hard. It's like the, even like really simple things. Like you said earlier, Christ is going to be in that. You know, when I say like, Lord be in my words, I don't have to go through the Roman road. I can just be me and just mm-hmm. be kind. And Jace, that's going to be you so powerful. You are a planter. Hmm. You plant seeds of love everywhere you go. Amen. You may not be called to be the harvester, yeah. but you're sure doing your job and you're oh. doing it well. Thanks, Robin. <laughs> that was really nice. Look at you just <laughs> planting love in yeah, Jace. That felt really good. <laughs> that was good. Wow. <laughs> and that's what you do to the people mm-hmm. in the world. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm conscious of our time, Robin, and we have to let you go. But I'm just wanting thank you so much and honor the path that you've walked following the Lord with your whole life, like giving him everything that you have unashamedly when hurdles are in your way, you just jump over them or push them over and (laughs) (laughs) live for the sake of the kingdom of God and for the love of Jesus everywhere you go that exudes from you. So I'm excited for you to preach on this and excited to see what the Lord is going to continue to do through you and evangelism in our church. We need it. Amen. We do Mm -hmm. need it. Mm -hmm. We all need it. Love you, Robin. Love you guys. So Robin had to run to make it to another appointment, but Jason and I are just going to continue to talk and unpack some of the things we just heard for the next little bit. Totally. Cause we have some time. Yeah, man, that was, I mean, I just was, it was kind of just a fire hose the whole time. <laughs> I also just was kind of going throughout my day and then it was like, Oh, podcast time. And we're just in it. And then I'm like, Whoa, like there's just so much I want to like ask her or listen to. And like, I, I, we didn't even really touch on how evangelism fits into the fivefold ministry, Yeah, but the, yeah. What are your thoughts? Like what I are mean, your initial thoughts? You can see how essential evangelism is even in her comment where she said, um, as essential, she said to mm-hmm. your own spiritual well being yeah. as reading scripture or prayer is sharing the gospel. I was yeah. like, I, I, I guess at least from her point of view, it demonstrates how central evangelism is. Mm-hmm. And I think we can really clearly see that through the Bible. That's not just someone who's overzealous about their particular totally, lane, you yeah. know, cause you could say that about basketball and I wouldn't believe you, but like, <laughs> and I love basketball, yeah, totally. but not that much. You point, point to scripture <laughs> though. And yeah. man, you see evangelism all over the place. She mentioned the Great Commission multiple times where Jesus says, go and make disciples mm-hmm. of all nations. 
Um, and I think that it's brought to, been brought to my attention recently that that is really mostly forgotten in the American church. Wow. Like this idea of personal discipleship that I need to have people that I am discipling mm-hmm. and teaching them how to disciple others. And in multiple times in the past couple of weeks, it's been brought up, not like you need to be doing this chase, but it's like, this is a call of Christians. And I was like, Oh wow. I'm wow. not doing that as much as I should mm-hmm. be doing or making time for. Um, so that's just something that's been on my mind. And yeah, as it's a crucial practice of Christ yeah. and his call for the church. I think, man, I wish we talked a little bit more about that with Robin. I'm glad mm-hmm. you bring it to discipleship because that's not just the moment where you lead someone that you don't know and will never yeah. see again through the sinner's prayer and they give their lives to Jesus. That's an incredible moment, mm-hmm. but that's one moment along a lifetime that needs discipleship. Exactly. Um, so I'm glad that you said it that way because making disciples of all nations as the great commission like points to, yes, it does mean to bring non-believers to Christ. Mm-hmm. And it also means those who have been brought to Christ need to be built up in the faith. Yes. Edified, yeah. encouraged, taught how to worship and how to pray and how to read the Bible and then how to evangelize themselves mm-hmm. and how to how to go from there and and so this work is so much greater than just um just that initial conversion moment. Yeah. Do you feel like in modern history this idea of the evangelist has been minimized? to like just this person that's on the street corner, like where almost like, like where Robin is like this pastor evangelist that cares about just being in the moment and loving people. I don't like, I'm not even actually sure the question I have. I feel like the way I was introduced to evangelism feels incomplete now. Wow. And not to say that every person you lead to Christ, you are then, you know, entitled to disciple, (laughs) but there's something pastoral that needs to happen through evangelism. And I think there are evangelists out there that just go for the, the tallies on their water bottle of how many people they've led to the Lord. Sure. Um, it's on the water bottle, (laughs) you know, on their car or whatever it is. Um, and it just feels, that feels like like incomplete. Mm -hmm. I don't know if like, you know, Paul would really recognize that as like a role of someone on the street corner when we're all supposed to be like in community and in life with one another. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I wish I knew more about the history of evangelism. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking from what I know of evangelism in the early church, I always like to look at the early church, yeah. you know, For I bring sure. them up all the time. Um, mostly that's because I had an insanely great church history teacher who was an expert in the early church when I was in college. But um, the way that they would do it, and you see this with Paul's, um, the really, really early Christians would go to synagogues and preach that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So everything, Jews, that you've been believing is great. Jesus is what we've been looking for. Yeah. Give your lives to him. Mm-hmm. And then eventually there was a division where they weren't welcome in the synagogues anymore because the people who continued to go to synagogue weren't agreeing that Jesus was the Messiah. And so house churches had to happen. And so instead of going to the synagogue, like the door to the synagogue was closed to Christians pretty quickly in Mm -hmm. the early church. 
Um, and also there wasn't a place for them in the Roman empire. I mean, they didn't have a building. Yeah. Um, they didn't build churches. They were all house churches for, I think hundreds of years until it was legalized. I'm, I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. at least within the Roman empire, yeah. I could be wrong. So feel free to fact check me, but um, I don't think that the first Christian church was built for at least 200 years after wow. Jesus ascended. So it was just like house gatherings. Mm -hmm. And the way that people got introduced to Jesus was because someone was super sold out for Christ, living their life, rubbing elbows with the people around them. And the people around them would start to look and say, Theophilus, you look different than you used to look. Like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Or the conversation about Jesus would start to come up, but it would, it would almost have to be under wraps because it was dangerous to be yeah. a Christian. Mm -hmm. If the Roman government found out that you believed Caesar wasn't King, but Jesus was then, I mean, you were burned. Mm -hmm. You were thrown in the arena to be eaten by lions. So this was not a street corner evangelistic process. Yeah. This was covert, mm -hmm. which I know it is in a lot of parts of the world today, yeah. whether you're in Iran or China, or for sure, like North Korea, like mm -hmm. you have to be so careful. Yeah. And those are the fastest growing churches in the world right yeah. now. Yeah. So there's something to, um, the depth of discipleship that's cultivated in persecution yeah. that we haven't seen in American history. I don't think it's almost as if our freedom in America has made it like easy for us to just put a time frame on evangelism. It's like, we're so free. We're just going to go to evangelize from noon to two on this Saturday. <laughs> and so then we think that yeah. that is what evangelism looks like. Mm. But in these places where people aren't as free, it's like you're just living your life as an example. And it's like, as a conduit of Christ, because you can't like, there's just not an evangelism time to go out. Right. And similar uh -huh. to the early church, like it just comes through relationship. I love that. So I feel like we've almost, we've done a disservice by putting a time frame on evangelism wow. or doing even evangelistic events. Maybe. Wow. Absolutely. I never, I really haven't had that thought because I've, I've championed evangelistic events at our church. Right. And not to say that's a bad thing or we did those wrong, mm -hmm. but uh, it made me think that like, I'm going to go to home now. I need to go stop by the store mm -hmm. and these things aren't evangelism. Sure. Because I did, I, I'm doing evangelism two days. Sure. Yeah. And maybe it's, I see your point and I agree with your point. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about like how we have prayer services. Yeah. I'm so grateful for prayer services. Mm -hmm. We should have them. Yeah. And Paul says, pray without ceasing. And I could hear like the prayer service could potentially lead you to believe I only pray when I'm in the service. And mm -hmm. then when I leave those doors, I'm no longer praying. Um, but that's not a fault of the prayer service. Yeah. That's a fault of your approach to the prayer service yeah. and then how you approach leaving the prayer service. So, uh, and I just think that that's a really important conversation for us to always be having about what it means to be Christian, whether it's prayer or evangelism, mm -hmm. or we talk about being not just a Sunday Christian. Like yeah. that's a phrase that we use because Christianity doesn't often expand beyond the four walls of the church mm -hmm. for the lukewarm Christian in our cultural context. Yeah. Um, and so I guess the question is, what does it mean to be a Christian all the time? Mm -hmm. Evangelism is a part of that. Yeah. Prayer is a part of that. 
Always. Absolutely. And if that's always the case, then maybe you need to rethink what evangelism even means. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. I think it was probably projecting some of my misunderstanding on the whole American church. Sure. Just to make myself feel a little bit better. (laughs) Um, I also want to say just like there are some incredible people in our church that go and evangelize. Oh, and and I, and now seeing your point, like, I think that's, that's not a bad thing. It helps us practice it as we go Mm -hmm. to a prayer set to even practice prayer, Mm -hmm. practice the, the discipline of prayer. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think, I guess it's not a bad thing to go and practice the discipline of evangelism. But as long as I realize that Mm -hmm. I'm not stopping evangelism when that time ends, when that event is over. Amen. I think that's the key. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. And I don't say this as an expert of evangelism. I have no idea what I'm doing as an evangelist. (laughs) (laughs) Same. You just heard me have a total bunch of questions. So yeah, I, I like there are people that I pray for. I feel like that's a huge part of it. If we feel a burden in our hearts for someone to know the Lord, we need to be praying and mm-hmm. recognize that it's not our work. It's the Holy Spirit's work. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part of it. Even worse, if we don't feel the burden for someone, I'm speaking directly to myself. If if I see someone and think, oh yeah, they have never known Christ and they never will know Christ wow. because they've, you know, yeah. They've shut that door. That's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. I've lost hope and I've stopped praying. I don't know. Heaven help us in that yeah. scenario. Mm-hmm. I think we have a ways to come. Um, and that doesn't mean that every time we see, say you have a close friend that doesn't follow Jesus. That doesn't mean every time you see that friend, you need to bring Jesus up and then ask him if they're ready to say yeah. the sinner's prayer. Cause if you do something like that, then you're just Annoying. A, a, annoying. <laughs> yeah. And, you, uh, like you might not be friends with them anymore. And you right. kind of lose your opportunity there. Cause it, cause that wouldn't be doing it in love, you know? Right. That wouldn't be loving them where they're at too. And not to say, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Uh, that's good. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, I was just going to say what you said, mm-hmm. but you said it better. So that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. One, one thing that I thought was interesting that we, we, in this framework of the fivefold ministry mm-hmm. as a, blueprint for church governance. Yeah. I look at river house, not having someone outwardly really in an evangelistic seat or office. Mm-hmm. And we see that in our body as not a terribly evangelistic church. Wow. Yep. I don't know. Like I, I, if I'm to believe that this fivefold ministry is a really good um, framework for church governance, I could see just as if like a church didn't have a mm-hmm. pastor at its helm, you wouldn't have a really pastoral body. And I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's, that makes sense. Wow. And I think Robin touched on it. Like she's been in this really pastoral place on staff, which is so needed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she, that's going to stop, but I'm excited to see her step into this more evangelistic mm-hmm. um, voice and like head of our church. And I think that's going to rise up a lot of things. Wow. Hopefully. Yep. That's my prayer. I hope so. I'm reminded of a question that is always important to ask mm-hmm. in conversations like this. And that is like for you listener, why does all of this matter for you? Oh, yeah. Like where's the connection point for me, the individual, um, for Robin, it's hopefully man, she is totally anointed for evangelistic outreach 
and now to maybe even sit in some kind of evangelistic office to encourage evangelism in others. So what does that mean for you and me and the listener of the podcast might be um, to ask the question, what will it look like to be encouraged by Robin? Mm -hmm. Also Paul (laughs) and Jesus Mm -hmm. in evangelism and start to express Um, my own version of the great commission in my own life. Um, Like, how can I do that? You don't need to have the fivefold evangelistic office in order to be an evangelist. That's so true. Yeah. In fact, like if you create boundaries like that, then you're foregoing a command of Jesus, which is to go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. That's a command to all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so yeah, I just think the rubber hits the road really well there. We don't have to even ask questions about what an individual's fivefold gifting is. Maybe the question is, with your particular giftings or graces or anointings, what might evangelism look like for you? Mm-hmm. Not, will you be involved in evangelism, but what will your evangelism look like? Yeah. Do you think that's a good question to ask? Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And, I mean, follow-up question she kind of mentioned that some people might be seed planters. Mm. Some might be cultivators. Some might be harvesters. And again, I don't want to like just label the crap out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I do think like there's, there's, if we're just in tune with the spirit, like there's times where you'll be just be planting seeds with your love and times where if you like really listen and put aside the fear of man, he's going to use you to like harvest souls. Mm. So it's like, I don't like, she really like gave me a really beautiful, encouraging word that like, I am just like a seed planter. And I'm like, yeah, I, I do see that on my life, an ability just to be present with people and disarm and love. But I also don't want to just like silo myself into, you know, Johnny Appleseed. (laughs) (laughs) JC Appleseed. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so good. it's like, I like, and so like, I think when you're asking what does evangelism look like in your life, mm-hmm. I think it's like she said, operating from overflow, mm-hmm. listening to the spirit of God and also being okay with being one of those kind of three things. Yeah. Being okay with being a seed planter, like not going for just like the tallies on your water bottle of like how many salvations you have. Right. But just like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I just got to love that person. And I saw them smile and I felt like the Lord was in that, mm. you know, and being like, and let that fuel your like next encounter. Praise God. And sometimes you're just going to have the radical healing salvations and all those stories wow. too. And may we be absolutely content with those wow. as well when they come. I don't know. Did it, that was kind of a rant. It, it was excellent. Oh, thank you. I'm uh, I'm thinking about from my own perspective what it might look like. And I think love <laughs> is a great step. Prayer, I think, has to be involved. Mm-hmm. Like you treat the cashier really kind. And if you don't bring up Jesus, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Walk away. And as you're walking away, hold that person in your heart and pray for them. Like hold them before the Lord and trust Holy Spirit. And that person needs to be met by you today. May you please meet them. And then also recognize, I'm thinking I need to recognize the people in my life that the Lord might have in front of me. And I'm the one that he's going to use Mm -hmm. to meet people in love. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that, I mean, it feels obvious and maybe kind of silly, but as a public school kid who grew up kind of 
anxious talking about my faith. Yeah. Um, because there were so many non-Christians around me, very judgmental about my faith. I discovered that when people asked me about my life, I would filter the Christianity out of it and I would talk about my life. Um, but without the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, so I might say things like, Oh, you know, I just, I wanted to go and do this with my life. I felt well, like it would have been a good idea to move to Africa and work on this hospital ship. That's something that I did. Um, but if the person I'm talking to is Christian, I'll use words like, I felt God's call on my life. Mm -hmm. And when I was there, I felt near to the Lord. Um, and so I'm just more and more aware of how I filter that kind of faith-based language mm -hmm. out of my conversations when I'm talking to non-Christians. And I'm wondering, maybe some of that filtration is good because it's knowing your audience and mm -hmm. you don't want to overwhelm people with a bunch of Christianese. But sure. also reintroducing some of it is more authentic to yeah. my experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm actually doing a disservice to the Holy Spirit's movement on my life to not say, hey, actually the way that God moved in this part of my career, it was God. Yeah. Even if the person in front of me doesn't believe that God even exists. Mm -hmm. And maybe that, my own testimony, it's like what Robin was saying, we all have a story. Mm -hmm. Like I need to introduce that kind of language um, and speak more authentically and hold it unashamedly because mm -hmm. what is somebody going to say about my story? I'm not yeah. pushing anything on anyone. True. I'm just speaking authentically. Yeah, you're sharing your experience. And like, mm -hmm. wow, in this day and age, that's like so highly valued outside of the Christian experience. Yes. So it's like, again, knowing your audience, but also knowing that the Lord's going to animate those words when they hit people's ears, you mm -hmm. know? And it's not, it's not just our our words it's also mm. like his spirit moving hmm. too yeah i like i yeah it's in it's just, it's just oh, that's <laughs> so good sorry i like i kind of lost my train of thought there but no i'm just grateful for this conversation and i think we have more of this conversation to go but for now we should probably wrap it up do you think yeah mm -hmm. thank you so. uh listener for tuning in i hope that you felt really encouraged by robin's energy and just that conviction that like this gospel that we have the privilege of preaching is the good news for all that they might come into salvation and the life. And, and this isn't just salvation about what happens to you after you die, though that is insanely significant because it mm -hmm. concerns eternity. Um, it's about right now. Yeah, It's about meeting people who are in sadness or depression or hopelessness with the joy and the hope of Jesus right now. Who doesn't want to hear that message? Yeah. I'm just thinking sometimes the atheists don't believe in God. And I think I don't believe in that God either. Yeah. Have you heard someone say something oh, like yeah. that? Like the, the God that atheists believe that we believe in isn't the God we believe in. Mm -hmm. And if they really knew Jesus, They'd want to follow him. Totally. I wonder to what degree that's true. And we just need to present Jesus. Um, yeah, a little more clearly. I don't know. We could, uh, anyway. Yeah. You can hear me. I'm <laughs> opening up new rabbit trails. We could spin on this for a while, but thank you. Yeah. Listener. Um, if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, recipes. comments. Recipes. <laughs> 
Please uh, send them to deepwaters <laughs> at riverhouseministries.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, yeah especially we, if you uh, got like a vegetarian recipe. I don't eat meat, so feel free to true. email that. <laughs> that is true. And there's just not, you just only sell me salads. There's only so many salads. Romaine is a staple in my <laughs> lettuce. A staple in my lettuce? A staple in my life? Was that what you going for? Um, diet. That okay. was what I was looking for. Well, let us end it there. <laughs> oh, no. We'll leave you, we'll leave you on that. Uh, anywho, um, we love you guys. We hope you have the best weekend. Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Waters Podcast. If you have comments, questions, or concerns, maybe even a recipe or two, please send them to deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com. And if you would like to join us at Riverhouse for Sunday service, we meet at the Vineyard Boise at 4 p.m. We'd love to see you there. We cannot do this podcast without a little help from our friends. Our theme music was written and recorded by the Riverhouse worship team. Production is done by Jordan Sodeman. Special thanks to Isaiah Guerrero for our artwork. Benjamin Olson writes and co-hosts with me, Jace Langley, and I also edit this bad boy. If you like this podcast and want to keep going on this journey of discipleship with us, please leave us a review wherever you listen to the Deep Waters podcast. May Christ be with you wherever you go.